at the beginning it was really tough, but then I started to enjoy it a little bit more and I realised um, <laughs> one of the biggest things I realised, well, one is that exercise actually makes you happy, which hmm. after not um, after doing it my whole life, you just kind of take that for granted, that feeling of fitness. Um, but the other thing I learned too is how much more productive you can be in a day when you're not completely exhausted from training. Well, we train three times a day, six days a week. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Harriet Brown. She's a World Iron Woman Champion, Nutrigrain Iron Woman Series Champion, Australian Team Captain, and Molokai to Oahu Paddleboard Champion. Let's get into the podcast. So, Harriet, thanks for uh, for joining me on the, the podcast. I've sort of known I've known about you for a couple of years. I went to college with your sister, and then uh, I sort of met you a couple of times down at the the Peter Pub in Melbourne, and uh, we got to catch up and do some underwater filming at the a couple of months ago on the Gold Coast and uh, and I posted that footage on our Instagram and uh, I think people really appreciated seeing your stroke underwater because you've got such a such a nice stroke and uh, it was really good to be able to see that and we we're talking before and you're saying it's uh, you haven't really had much underwater footage taken and uh, what was it like for you to be able to to sort of see what it how you swim and then be able to translate that back to your own training and your technique yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, that technique session that you did with me with the underwater footage has actually helped me so much. I'm uh, a bit more of a visual learner and to actually see uh, what I was doing and to make a few of those changes, um, taking it back to swimming has really helped me. I think the number one thing that helped me the most is that so you were mentioning that I was coming across too far in my stroke, across my body, and I need to keep it more in line with my shoulder. And since I've made those changes, I haven't had um, shoulder issues, which I've had ongoing uh, for my whole career, my whole swimming career. So it's been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, well, you were saying that you, like your coach has mentioned it to you a lot of times um, about that, that crossover at the front of the stroke, but it's not until you actually saw it that you're that you fully understood how how far across you were were coming and it's just it's just one of those things isn't it that it's very hard what you perceive to be doing is very different than what you're you're actually doing and it's um it's great to hear that you haven't had those shoulder injuries and one of the things that like you tend to see in that when you slow footage down is like you look at some of the positions that the shoulder is is in through the stroke and let's say it is like across the body or um, you know, it, it can be in quite a, an uncomfortable position. If, and if you're doing several thousand strokes across the course of a week, it's like it kind of makes sense that, that there would be, be issues there. So it's really good to hear that it's, that it's helped with your shoulders. And um, speaking of like injuries, uh, at the end of last year, you had probably one of the, the worst injuries that you've had and it happened to be in the, uh, the World uh, Championships for the Surf Life and You were Australian team captain and uh, you managed to break your foot on the the first day. Do you want to tell uh, tell that story and um, and what happened there? Yeah, that was a pretty tough tough time. So we headed to Adelaide for the World Championships. Um, not the most exciting place we've raced in for, for worlds <laughs> before, but um, regardless, we were all ready to race. Uh, playing, being part of the Australian team uh, was such an honor and especially being captain uh, I felt like there was um, 
Yeah, a little bit riding on on results and just having a really good hit out because we haven't beaten, so the Australian team hasn't beaten the New Zealand team for about eight years and that was our goal for the competition. And in the first race, I ran into the water, stood on a rock and split my foot and I knew it was there was something going on. It was really, really painful, but there were no substitutes in our team. So I knew that I had to race on it for another 10 events over the, that weekend, so across two days. So strapped it up, took some painkillers and kept racing. And it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It's almost like when you have to put your hand on like a, a boil, a hot stove and you know it's going to hurt, but you have to do it anyway. Racing on a sore foot like that was <laughs> probably like that. But I didn't actually know how severe it was until we finished the competition. Um, the Australian team actually won, which was awesome. Uh, the team definitely pulled through for me. I did okay. But, um, yeah, it was a bit of a tough, tough weekend, bittersweet for me. I flew back home and found out that I needed surgery, three screws in my foot, and I was out for the season. Mm. And what was it like having to basically sit still for a number of weeks and just not not be able to stay as active as you used to? Yeah, that was that was actually physically it wasn't too bad. So I kept myself occupied with um, doing things, reading books, learning, um, kind of making the most of some downtime to see friends and that kind of thing but after a few days of that I found that I wasn't really that happy and not because of what I was doing or not I wasn't you know I was pretty disappointed that I didn't get to race and I was out for the whole season I was doing so well but it wasn't until I went to the gym I think it was about six days after surgery and just did a little bit of movement and came out of that just with the endorphins sailing high that I realized that my body just misses exercise and craves exercise to keep my mind happy and my body happy. So after that, I just took some small steps every couple of days. I'd do a little bit of exercise. Um, Couldn't do too much. So sometimes it was just some dumbbells in the gym or some activation exercises, but that kind of kept me sane while I was moving through the process. And it was um it it was a tough time because all my friends were racing. I was currently leading the niche Crane series at the time, so I was feeling really great with my competition, but I guess those things happen and I just had to accept it. I had a time frame which was the season out, so I think once you're you've been given um like I've had niggling injuries over the past and that's kind of difficult because you never know when you'll be back. Whereas with this one, I knew that I had a break. And so I just started writing little goals and each week I'd try and get a little bit stronger and just, um, yeah, work on turning up to do a little bit of movement, but enjoy some sleep-ins as well. So at the beginning it was really tough, but then I started to enjoy it a little bit more and I realized, um, one of the biggest things I realized, well, one is that exercise actually makes you happy, which hmm. after not um, after doing it my whole life, you just kind of take that for granted, that feeling of fitness. Um, but the other thing I learned too is how much more productive you can be in a day when you're not completely exhausted from training. Well, we train three times a day, six days a week. So I got a few more things done. So that was nice. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's still somewhat early days. It's about twelve months after 
doing it, but do you, do you feel like you were able to, like looking back, it's been a in a way a positive experience where you've been able to to take some things out of it where you can actually where you've felt like you've grown as a person or learnt uh, or become a bit wiser with it. Definitely, I think any athlete or anyone who goes through hardship at the end of it, they always say, "Oh, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. That was a blessing in disguise." And at the time, people kept saying to me, "You know, you'll learn from this. You'll grow, and you'll come back bigger and better." And at the time, it's really, really, really hard to believe that and hard to take on board that positivity. Um, but I really did try and make the most of that downtime. And now that I'm back racing again, I had my first race back in the series at Burley a few weeks ago and it ended up coming third. So I was really, really happy about that. I just love racing and, and being back in that feeling again. But having some time off for me was actually a really good thing because I've raced in the professional series, so Nutrain Ironman for the last 10 years, ever since I finished school, and I've never really had much of a break. And so to have time off, it kind of made me think about uh, a little bit more about a career after sport or just get a little bit of a taste for that transition into retirement when surf lifesaving isn't my whole life. So I took on board lots of different opportunities and said, yes, to lots of things that I would have never done if I was just focused on on training all the time. So in that way, it was a blessing in disguise. And now I come back and I miss training and I don't take it for granted and I try not to whinge about it when it's cold because I know that for so long I wasn't able to do that. Yeah, it's certainly as soon as you can't do something, you, you get a much better appreciation for it. Like I, I came off the mountain bike four weeks ago and I'm just starting to be able to swim again. And and before that, I was probably swimming the best I ever had, and I was I was really enjoying. It. I wasn't taking it for granted at the time, but now I'm, I just think, oh, if if I can't swim and surf, I'm I'm not the happiest of people. So now <laughs> that uh, I'm glad that I can get back into it, but I've still got to take it steady for probably another I don't know four to eight weeks. But um, and in in it right now, it's like yeah, I can't see it being a necessarily a, a positive experience, but I'm sure it will be by the time that I can fully recover and and look back, and um, there'll be something that I can take out of it. But uh, it is good to have that break because it certainly gives you the appreciation that you you may not other otherwise have when you're in the thick of it, especially for ten years. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a long time to be training that much, and um, you know, it's uh, what was it like for for you to sort of get a taste of what it might be like to not be able to train um, as much if you are working full-time or, or what sort of clarity did you get around what you might do after sport? Um, I'm actually really excited for life after after sport. Um, I think I will always continue to do sport um, and train and take on some little goals along the way, but um it does make me look forward to that. I'm not ready for it just yet. I still love racing and I still feel like my body's holding in there and it's got a lot more to give. Um, but yeah, getting a bit of a taste of different things that I can do. I work as an exercise physiologist and so I took advantage of a few different things that I might like to do later on. Nothing set in stone. I did commentary for the Australian titles and the state championships and um, I organized a sports conference, which we ran on the Gold Coast in May last year. So just dabbling in a few different things that I really um, get a lot of satisfa- satisfaction out of 
doing new things and challenging myself in a way that's not necessarily physical. Yeah, oh, that's good. And uh, and one of the other events that you've done is the Molokai to Oahu paddle. Now, is that 42 kilometers from island to island? Have I got that right? 52. 52. 32 miles, 52 kilometers. Yes. I was so, telling you short. Yeah, no, it's it's a long it's a long long way. Don't don't take those last ten kilometers; they're the worst. <laughs> so, don't take those ones off. Um, yeah, that's a it's a huge race, the Molokai to Oahu. It's one of my favorite events. I have done it three times now, and it's a crossing from one island to another in Hawaii, and you fly over the day before to Molokai, and that's probably the craziest thing. You look out the window and mm. see where you'll be paddling back from the next day and that's really really daunting and it does scare me a lot seeing that and then on the next day we all wake up on that island and we start the race and at the beginning you generally normally you can't see Oahu where you're paddling to so you're kind of out in the open ocean and it's really really rough it's called the channel of the bones it's one of the deepest shipping channels in the world I think not too sure. Anyway, it's really dangerous, really rough, um, but that's why we love it too because sometimes you get the best swell and the best runners pushing through there. So it's a pretty cool race and there's a support boat that goes along and feeds you. Well, my sister came with me this year and jumped off and switched my drinking bottles around and gave me some gels. And, yeah, it was really tough. This year was probably the toughest. I was coming second all the way until the last two kilometres and we had a sprint finish, which when you're paddling for five hours is mentally really tough. What was it like having to dig that deep after after 50 kilometres of, of paddling? What how, Had you been to that place before in different races or was this something on a whole new level for you? Molokai... It is a whole new level for me. Generally, when we race in the Nutrigrain series, the races go up to about an hour, whereas this one is five hours of paddling and you're on your own out in the middle of the ocean. You have your support boat there, but you can't really talk to them because there's so much chop and wind and swell. So it really is just five hours of me and my thoughts. And you go into some pretty dark places this year. I definitely did. There were moments during the race that I wanted to stop. I really did. My shoulder started getting sore and I was really worried about it and I didn't feel strong. And it's amazing how your mind can really take over with those negative thoughts. And I got myself into you know, a point of nearly wanting to pull out, but you have to pull yourself out of that. And I've done it through training. I've got to some pretty low points and then really tried to work on that positive self-talk and turn it around and just um, cut up the race into little parts. If you think about a 52-kilometre paddle, that seems like a long way. But if you think, all right, just another half an hour of focus and catch this runner and catch the next runner and try and catch Lizzie, who is my friend, she – um, ended up coming second, but she was ahead of me most of the way. So I was really just focusing on trying to catch up to her a little bit. And for that amount of time, it, it's such a mental game. And mm. you go on a roller coaster of emotions. And then sometimes I feel like I'm distracted and I'm thinking about other things. And then I'm like, no, Harriet, back to the race, focus on what you're doing. And there's flying fish jumping out of the water and turtles and some other paddlers around that you start to see and there's also the the tracking as well so you need to make sure that you're on the right 
um, the right line because the currents change, the swell change, the tides change. So you kind of make a plan with your support crew during the day, um, the morning before, but things change throughout the day. So you kind of have to read the ocean as well. So it's a pretty cool race. It's really, really challenging just paddling with your arms for that amount of time, but it's super satisfying at the end when you finish it. <laughs> oh, it would be. When I did the Rottnest Channel swim last year, I about 15Ks in, I started to have those dark thoughts and I had to tell myself, you're lucky to be here. A lot of people wouldn't get the chance to do this and I just had to convince myself that, that I was lucky to, to be doing the race and that eventually got me through. But, geez, I, I, I don't think I, I was probably went that sort of uh deep with uh with how bad it felt at the very end of the the iron man i did in 2016 but it was just like it was a really hard thing and i i wanted to pull out because i was cold my arms didn't have much left and it was it was a hard thing to to stay in there and what's what were some of those thoughts that you told yourself to keep you you going or was it more of just like just take it one you know 500 meters at a time yeah, it, it was a bit about taking it 500 metres at a time. But I think also when those dark thoughts come in, you're trying to figure out what's rational and what's not. And I think you know, like you might have felt it too. You're cold and you know that if you're really cold and your body's hurting, that there is a chance that you can do some damage. So I think you start to say to yourself, oh, maybe I should pull out. Like maybe like with me it was my shoulder. Maybe I should pull out. Maybe – this will stuff me up for the rest of the season. But then you don't know whether you're just giving yourself that out and giving yourself kind of an option to pull out. So those were like these two dialogues in my head. One is like, it's fine. Like you've done really well. Um, No one will care. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) You might hurt your shoulder. And then the other one was like, no way. If you hurt your shoulder, you can deal with it later. You've dealt with your foot surgery. Um, It's really not that bad. You haven't broken anything. It's, you know, it was a bit of um, bursitis. So inflammation, (laughs) I found out, a bit of tendonitis. But, um, and I was like, you've come all the way over here. (laughs) Mm. Just that self-talk of you've set yourself a goal. Just do everything you can to achieve it and you'll feel satisfied much more satisfied at the end of just completing it, no matter what you come. Because I think that's also where the negative thoughts come in is when you're probably not sitting in a position that you'd like to. When you're up the front doing really well or on track with your time, it's so easy to feel positive and feel good about yourself. Whereas when you're you know, sitting in behind or you're not on track with your time, that's when those negative thoughts take over too. So I try not to think about uh, the placing and more just think about you know that next runner, that next 500 metres. Yeah. And also we were broken up by every half an hour I'd take a gel. So that would be something I'd look forward to. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's all it needs to be sometimes too. Like in the Rottnest swim, I was doing yeah, every half an hour and it's just like, all right, I'll get to the next, I'll get to the next gel or the next feed and, and then I can make a decision then. And it's like, oh, okay, no, I feel fine. I'll get to the next one and keep going. Yeah. And eventually it, it gets you there. And I was talking to a friend of mine, Mitch Kibbe. He's a professional triathlete and we were just talking about well, he was talking about when he's had good races and races that haven't been so good. And oftentimes the races that haven't been so good, aside from any sort of you know, physical uh, things that sort of might come up, it's been when he's projected too far ahead. He's been looking too um, too much towards the, the finish line. Whereas the races he's done well, it's just been he's been very present, been focused on 
on what's happening right now and just taking it one step at a time. And I think there's a lot of truth to, to that where if we're thinking, if you're thinking about the last kilometer sprint and you're only halfway, you, your mind is really distracted from the, the task at hand and then you, it doesn't allow you to, to enjoy or just really focus on what, what's happening uh, at, at the time. Absolutely. That, those are very, very wise words and I try and take that on board um, through all of my racing because it's so easy when you're in the middle of a race sitting there being like, oh, this is good, I might come third or I yeah. wonder if there's a sprint finish if I can do that, whereas uh, especially when I'm doing uh, surf iron woman racing, we have to be present because I'm paddling and then a big wave comes and you have to decide, do I pop do I go over the top? Do I roll to go underneath it? And then I jump back on and then on the way in, do I go towards the left to try and catch the runners or the waves over there or do I go to the right and then when do I jump up? Is it too shallow? Is it too deep? There's so many decisions throughout a race that you you have to stay present because as soon as you start to think too far ahead, which I tend to do sometimes and I really have to stop myself and get back to, to being in the process and I think everyone can – relate to that with whatever race you are doing and especially I think people that look at time and they're really judging themselves by the the time as well that's when they start to think too far ahead yeah yeah absolutely and uh what is it that you love about racing oh well I love I love I love my sport I love surf life saving I love being in the ocean um, I grew up doing a lot of different sports. Uh, up until 18, I did about five different sports, not all of them all that well, but uh, I loved surf life sailing. One, because I was naturally not too bad at it, but two, I just loved being at the beach and being in the ocean. And I love that you can turn up to a race and you've got so many different things going on. You never know what you're going to get. So the ocean is different every day. I love that factor. That's probably more what I love about training, actually, turning up to the office and it's different every day. What I love about racing is I love challenging myself to get to the position that I feel as fit as I can. So you're gradually building up training. You're trying to go faster in the pool. You're trying to go faster on the track on the board, on the ski, and factoring that recovery. And it's just such a science behind it all. But when it comes to the race, you stand. I love the feeling of standing on the line, knowing that I've done everything possible that I can to get myself in the best possible fitness feeling. So it's kind of like a, a body thing that you feel. I don't know if I can explain this really well, very well, but I love pushing myself to see how hard I can go and feeling really fit. So then when you stand on the line, you feel confident. I, I hate turning up to a race and not feeling good. I don't like racing like that. So the, what I love about racing is feeling like I'm ready to go and I'm ready to fire and I feel fast and powerful and fit and strong. Mm. That's what I love about racing. And uh, it's also like it's great when you win and you achieve your goals, but it's also great when you do good things like make good decisions or – feel like you've pushed yourself further than mentally than you physically were capable of. It, it makes perfect sense. Like I think um, back to the 
like the the main races I've had. And if you've if you've eaten well, and like this can be over the course of several several months or you know even the entire year, where if you've eaten well, you've done the strength work, you've done the training. Like it takes time to to get to that point, but in your body, there's something there where you, you just feel like you are like you've, you've built that engine and you just feel so strong and so confident that you just want to see, like you want to test yourself and see what you're capable of doing after all of that hard work. And it's, and that's, that's what I think it's really all about. Like it's about the feeling that you have around that and the, the emotion and like, yes, results are great. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really comes down to the things that you're, the things that you're proud of and the things that that you enjoy doing and yeah i can comp- i can relate to that it's and that's why i'm sort of like right now because i haven't been able to do much with this shoulder like I, frustrating I just, it's frustrating <laughs> and i haven't got I haven't got that confidence in the water where i like i'm just i can't pull through with any power and it's just like it, it is a frustrating yeah, thing so you probably I'm, wouldn't enjoy racing now no no and i've sort of we've no. got peer to pub coming up and i'm thinking oh, yeah. man, i don't know if i'll be able to um i don't know if i'll race because i don't want to race if i can't apply any power with my no, right it's arm. not fun not not enjoyable some like sometimes it's okay to do that and have no expectations on yourself but it's definitely not enjoy enjoyable no it's that challenge and that satisfaction the satisfaction after you know you've given it everything and uh what do you how, like, how do you go through the, the three sessions a, a day six days a week how do you maintain your body and your recovery and your and your sleep what's your what's your general sort of structure for a week so this is something i've been working on and probably learnt a lot over the years about um i know that everyone is really different and some some of the girls i train with you can tolerate a lot of load and some of the girls don't tolerate as much load so when i say that i'm training at northcliffe surf club at the moment and eight of the girls are in the Nutrain series out of 20. So it's a pretty competitive squad. So we're all training with each other, pushing each other hard all the time, but it's also hard to go hard every session. So for myself, I've put a few things in place to just make sure that I'm getting the best out of my training because it is really easy to get caught up with training either too much um, well, that's probably the main thing caught up with training too much um, rather than not enough because there's so many sessions that we can go to. So what I do is I make a bit of a plan at the start of the week. I'll talk to my coach, uh, Floody, about it, and I'll say, these are the sessions I'm going to go to, make sure that it's not too much. So when we train three times a day, six days a week on Saturdays, we just train once. Um, But with those sessions, I've now realized that I can't do every session really, really hard. Otherwise, I'm just training that gray zone. So I'll pick a few sessions that I will really target. And those are the ones that I'll put my all into. And generally, that might be a couple of swim sessions and an iron session on Saturday, definitely, and maybe a ski or a board session as well. So there's a few key sessions in there. And then the other sessions um, might be a little bit lower intensity or I'll turn up and train but won't, um, you know, push myself to be at the front all the time or won't go too hard on myself if I'm not quite up there. So uh, a planning is one thing. Sleep is another thing and I really try and be onto this all the time because sleep, I believe, is the best and I think the research is out there as well, is, is really the best form of recovery. Um, it's really hard to to get many hours sleep when you wake up at 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) So I have to be really strict on myself. So every night that I'm home, 
because obviously there's some things life gets in the way. There's events on and there's things that you might be out a little bit later than usual. But I try and minimize those to maybe one time a week. And every other time that I'm home, I'll be in bed by eight o'clock and then everything on my phone shuts down at 8.30 at night. So I don't have that option of, oh, I can't really sleep. I'll go on my phone and check what's going on and mindlessly read or scroll or anything like that. So that's something I've had to put in place because it's, um, I guess, making rules for yourself makes things easier. So to sleep by 8.30, um, I've, I'm really passionate and interested in food and good food. So that's something, it's probably just uh, second nature to me now, but I cook a lot. I'll make sure I prepare my food. So I've got um, gym this morning and I'll make a smoothie so that straight after gym I can have a smoothie that's got a mix of veggies, fruit, protein, and some good fats in there. And then lunch will be leftovers from last night. So pretty on to all the food and that kind of thing. And then uh, physio because my shoulders and back and all these other things, I start to get niggles, but it's mostly stemming from my foot surgery. Uh, I'll have that maybe once a week, depending. I, I work at Gold Coast Physio, so I work in a physio practice, so that's pretty handy having that at work. And being listening to my body is probably the final thing. So I've made a plan. I'm trying to get to bed early. I'm trying to eat well, but sometimes life gets in the way and there's other things that you need to do and you might miss a session or you might stay up too late and be a little bit more tired. So having a nap is important or potentially even missing a session because I think sometimes we all get fixated on these are the kilometers we need to do. These are the like sessions I've planned. And if I don't get there, then I'm not going to race well. And I think that thinking needs to change. So I'm trying to be a little bit more adaptive. It's hard um, because I am such a planner and I like to, you know, tick all those boxes. But now I'm trying to be okay with having a session off if I feel like I'm really tired so that I can execute the next session better. But that's the hardest thing, knowing your body, knowing when to stop and knowing when to push hard. Yeah, do you feel like that's something that you've changed over the last 10 years? Like looking back when you first started, how – how much has all of that changed for you and how how much smarter have you got about your training? That has changed so much, so, so much for me. When I first um, started, I guess, racing the professional, the new train series, I was 19 and I was studying full-time at uni, but I was also living on campus. I'd moved away from home. Um, it was just it was quite a new lifestyle for me. I didn't realize how much my mum did for me with cooking and cleaning <laughs> and all of those other things. And so, yeah, working, studying, training, and I was so keen. I would just train every session hard and probably not get enough sleep and ended up getting glandular fever. So that was probably my biggest lesson in learning how to rest and recover. Um, but after that, I started getting stronger and I was just, um, I guess I wanted to race and do well so badly that I was willing to just turn up to every session and go hard in every session that for a few years there, I'd start on Monday feeling really good. And by Thursday morning, I was swimming terribly because I just went hard at every session. I was so keen and it would get to Saturday and I'd be, I'd be wrecked and then I'd rest and then I'd start all over again. So I'm trying to avoid that at the moment. That's something that I, I noticed when I was sort of training training nine sessions a week it was 
Like I, I was similar to you. Just every session, I want to do it hard because I think I felt like that's what was going to get the going to make me the best swimmer that I could possibly be. But as you said, like that's it, a lot of time spent in the in the grey zone, and I was pretty broken down halfway through the the week. And the swimmers who didn't have that same sort of work ethic oftentimes progressed more and and, and performed better, especially on race day because they like they might have been a little bit lazier because they took some sessions easy or easier but then in those fast ones like they they applied themselves and they actually got a lot more value out of the training because they weren't pushing every session but like looking back now I can realize that but at the time it was a little bit frustrating because I was the one who was training the hardest yet those guys who had a few more lazy tendencies were the ones getting the results in in competition but uh you know everything sort of makes sense in hindsight yeah, it all makes sense now. And I think a lot of the research and a lot of the training methods are now uh, focused a little bit more on um, changing that intensity up. Whereas in the past, it would just be old school, turn up, train hard, day in, day out, yeah. and see if you, you know, if you don't make it, you get broken and then you, you that that's it. But uh, it is hard because everyone is really different. And that's something that I really have seen over the years with the girls and guys that I race with, but all through, also through work and the research I like to look into myself as an ex-phys, but we all cope with load really differently and some people, um, you know, struggle with that high intensity and need a little bit more time to recover and others um, can just train all the time, but they might not be at that, that high intensity. But I definitely think that having some key sessions where you can go really hard and you're not fatigued for and then having other sessions where you back off, that that definitely helps me now. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And and looking forwards for the next sort of six, 12 months and onwards from there, you've obviously got the Nutrigrain series this summer. And what, what other challenges have you got planned or are you thinking about over the course of the next couple of years? So, yeah, Nutrigrain series, that's my main focus at the moment. So I'm riding competition phase at the moment and – in amongst that, I'm hoping to come down for the Peter Pub in January. So if you're fit and ready to go, we'll race you. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I don't think I've beaten you yet. I, I think I've been like within about 10 seconds of you most times, but I don't know if I've beaten you yet, maybe once. But uh, this year, I don't think it's going to happen, so I might have to sit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that race because I'm not the best pool swimmer. I actually did a PB this morning, so I was stoked with that. What's that? Not the best pool swimmer, but when it comes to tactics in the ocean and Peter Pub is great because you race, I race with the boys, so you can kind of get a bit of a pull along and jump on people's feet. So mm. <laughs> that's always a good one. And um, then we've got a few other races. So there's a the Shannon Eckstein Classic, which is an Ironman race up on the Gold Coast at Northcliffe. And then we've got States and then Aussies. So it really is just a summer of, of racing, summer of surfs in there as well, a few other different carnivals. But main goal is Nutrigrain Series and then the Australian Championships. And then taking a little bit of a break after that, I'm not going to do Molokai this year. It's just a huge, huge sacrifice and a lot of load on the shoulders, um, months of training leading into that. And it means it's in winter, the Molokai race, so it means I'm training all year round. So giving my body a little bit of a rest. And then we've got the World Championships in Italy next year. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, that'd be good. Well, all the best for, for the upcoming races. And uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll see you down at the, the Peter Pub. And for those people listening, where's the best place for them to either get in contact with you or to, uh, to follow you on your social media? Um, social media, 
mostly Instagram. I do have a Facebook page that I sometimes put things up on as well. But, um, yeah, Instagram, I try and keep it real, put up a bit about what I do at training and also daily life as well. Awesome. That's at Harriet Brown? Uh, yes, sorry. Yes. That's right. <laughs> My <I'll> put... <laughs> Instagram is at Harriet Brown. Yeah. And I also have a website, um, harrietbrown.com.au, um, where you can also get in contact me with me as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting, Harriet, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in January. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.